Our elders, of which we have six, set for us a perpetual theme for our congregation here at Fountainhead that we will sow, we will work, and we will grow together. We'll sow the field. We'll work that field after we've sown it. And God will cause the increase. And each and every one of us will work together with God in unity and enjoy the the benefits of being a child of God. We are part of a family. We know sometimes because we have our own families, don't we? That's easy sometimes. It's a joy sometimes to be a part of a family. And, And sometimes it's hard. And we don't want to go on sometimes. But we are rooted here at Fountainhead in our family. We're rooted in the Word of God. The mayor of a small town stopped mowing his yard. His wife had died of cancer. He just stopped mowing his yard. He put a sign out in his front yard, and the sign read, There are more important things in life than tall grass. And there are. There are more important things in life than the thing that we think we have got to get done right now. The mayor gives us some food for thought. He shows us a way to really look at our priorities, the way to really look at our actions, why we do the things we do, why we say the things we say. What do you do with your time? What do you do with your time? You know, there is nothing more expensive in our lives than our time, not our car, not our, not our homes, not, not our time is so expensive. What do you do with it? I love everyone here, but I'm concerned as well as some of you are, I'm sure I'm concerned for our family here at Fountainhead. I'm concerned for the church as a whole, my family, I, I'm concerned for my family. I'm concerned for your family. I'm concerned about how we go about our time, how we use our time. Mowing the yard, it needs to be done. Washing dishes, yes, that needs to be done. If you live in today's society very long, you've heard the words email. You've heard the words Facebook, haven't you? You've heard the word text message. And they all have their place. But there are times when these responsibilities need to wait so that we can spend more time with our Lord and with our families. The more important than tall grass stuff Priority number one in our lives should be to put God first. Food, clothing, shelter, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things, they'll be added to you. 
If we do this in all aspects of our life, we'll be strong. I have sat through quite a few elders' meetings. Miss Jewel, I'm glad you're here today. Miss Jewel Hearn, her husband, preached here 19 years, 18 years. Wonderful man. Had his picture on my wall. Wish I could talk to him today. He preached here for a long time. They've, he sat through a lot of elders' meetings too, I'm sure. And I dare to say that each one of the elders that I serve under will agree with what I'm about to say. I, I should say repeat because I found this a couple of years ago when I was on vacation in South Carolina. At the Myrtle Beach Church of Christ, they had a wall of literature, just a huge wall of literature. And I've had this since I've been on vacation there a few years ago, and I've been waiting to use it. Now is the appropriate time. Please listen carefully to the next, next six statements because much of the rest of the lesson will incorporate them in some way. A strong church will contribute to making strong families. A strong church will contribute to making strong families and a weak church will contribute to making weak families. Strong families will contribute to making a strong church. Weak families will contribute to making a weak church. Strong families are made up of strong individuals. Weak families are made up of weak individuals. So, to have a stronger church, we must have stronger families. To have stronger families, we must be stronger individuals. Right. To have stronger individuals, we must become stronger through spiritual growth. If we are wise, we will strive to use our time to, to the benefit of God and to obey His commands. We will structure our day, we'll structure our money, we'll structure our priorities so that we can give the maximum to God. And be stronger. Time is ticking. Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with your time? That all expensive, all important time that you've been given. We all have an appointment to keep, don't we? Hebrews 9, 27, amen. We've all got an appointment to keep. We're all going to die. Time's going to run out for each and every one of us. In Mark chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus taught some hard teachings. He told the apostles that for man to enter the kingdom by himself was impossible, but with God all things are possible. And Peter said, Behold, we've left everything to follow you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels 
who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions in the age to come, eternal life. It stands to reason that if I want a stronger church, I've got to be a stronger me. If I want a better church, I've got to be a better me. If I want a more active church, well, I've got to be a more active me. If I want a harder working church, I've got to be a harder working me. I help build the church. And when I help build up me, I help build up the church. When I help me, I'm helping my family. When I help my family, I'm helping the church. When I hurt me, when I hurt me, I hurt my family. And when I hurt my family, I hurt the church. Paul said in Romans chapter 14 verse 7, For none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. No one lives in a vacuum. And we are well acquainted with the fact that, at least I am, every word we speak affects ourselves and it affects others. Our speech affects others. Our, our, our behavior impacts others. Our time used or, or misused, it matters. It matters. It really does. Are we making the best of our time for our God, for our church, for our families, for ourselves? That's what I'm concerned about. Fathers and husbands, we have got to get our minds right. We have got to get our priorities straight. Amen? We have got to be the leaders of our home. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 23, husbands are the head of the wife and we must love our wives more. My daddy's in the audience. He said, he said when I was growing up, even he said he loved my mama more than he loved me. And he's right. Husbands, we've got to love our wives more and more and more. Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. We, we must be faithful to our wives. We must be faithful to our families. When we do that, we're being faithful to our God. Emotionally, financially, with our time, we've got to be faithful. We've got to be better. We've got to work harder. We've got to be better fathers. Quit running after the world if you are and properly train your child. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4. All the while providing for the physical and material 
needs of our family. In First Peter chapter, excuse me, First Timothy chapter five verse eight. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is well worse than an unbeliever. Men, we've got to do this. Daddies, husbands, we've got to be the leaders of our home. Mothers, wives, love your husband. And Titus chapter 2 verse 5, be obedient to your own husband. He is the leader of your home. And in 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 14 says you're the manager. Work as a team with your husband. Tell him what you need. It's hard to lead when we don't know what you need. Husbands and wives, mothers and fathers, grandmothers and grandfathers. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse 13. Watch, stand fast in the faith. Be strong, be brave. Start getting stronger by spending every day in the Word of God. If you would please go ahead and turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible and, and you have one of the bulletins, this is on the back of the bulletin as well. If you don't have either one, raise your hand and some of these guys in the back, they'll bring you one of these bulletins right here. Raise your hand if you don't have a Bible or if you don't have a bulletin because I'm going to ask you a question in here in just a minute and you need to have your Bibles open or one of the bulletins to see what's going on. Good communication is key to any relationship, especially our relationship with the Lord. Just raise your hand there and Carrie here will bring you one. We must talk to Him. We must talk to God. I mean, that just goes without saying, doesn't it? If people don't talk to each other, communication has what? Well, it's broken, it's broken down, hasn't it? Right, exactly. So we must talk to God. We must pray to Him. And in our relationship with God, He speaks to us through His Word. Now, if you've got your Bible in your hand, you're holding the mind of God. You're holding God's Word in your hands. All right? The Bible, of course, is the source for ways to live faithful to God. And if we incorporate the priorities virtually listed here in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 13, we can't help but be a stronger individual and then help our families be stronger and then help the church be stronger. Now, someone went on vacation. Was it you that went on vacation? Or somebody went on vacation recently. I can't remember who it was. And told me of a congregation that did this. They memorized together. Did you tell me this? Who told me this? Memorized together a passage of Scripture. They would put it up on the screen, and then each Sunday they would all try to memorize this passage of Scripture together. I, I like that. I, I would like to offer this passage to begin if, we, if the elders decide to do something like that. I, I think it's great. Let, let's read this together and apply these priorities to our lives and make a stronger me and a stronger you and a, and a stronger church. Okay? Say this with me. In Philippians chapter 4, beginning with verse 4, verse four rejoice in the Lord always. Read with me. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. 
Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to be abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Verses 4 and 10. They tell us how to be joyful. They, they give us a, a joyful approach to life. Life, well, it's stressful, isn't it? It is. But here's a way to handle those stresses. Rejoice. Rejoice always and look for opportunities to rejoice. Verse 5, have a gentle spirit. Treat others with kindness one of our elders, James Shockley, who did the, did the announcements today, he, I, I always like the way he says this, to, to think the best of others first. Be good. We owe ourselves and we owe others to quit sawing against the grain all the time, to quit swimming upstream all the time without a, without a paddle and against the current. We owe that to ourselves and to our family and to our church. We need to be kind. Look at part 2 of verse 5. The Lord's coming. The Lord is coming. We need to live our lives like it's the last day that we're ever going to spend on this earth. We need to live our lives like Jesus Christ is coming back at any moment. Last week... We were early to the ball game, but we were late to worship. Not this week, right? Not this week. Last week, we saw that our children did their homework every night. We checked on it, made sure that they dotted their I's and they crossed their T's. But we, have no, we had no idea last week what they were doing in Bible class. Not this week, right? Not this week. Last week we went to bed early because we had to go to work. We had to go to school. But we stayed up late on Saturday night because, well, tomorrow's just it's just Sunday. It's just church day. Not this week. Not this week. Resolve that this week will be different. Repent of the past, the past failures, the past inconsistencies, and leave them there in the past. 
Because Jesus Christ is coming back. And we need to live every day like it could be any second. As a family, attend all the services of the church. As a family, be active in Bible classes. As a family, you know, we've got lots of programs. We've got lots of evangelistic works and efforts here at Fountainhead. And I'm sure in your own home congregations, participate in those. Be active. If, if, you know, if we're involved, you be involved. Be active with people of your own age. Go to gospel meetings. Go to VBSs. Go to workshops. Attend all the ladies' days you can. Youth, youth rallies, spring formals, camp. Be with your family as much as you can. Choose to be with God's people, God's family. When our children and our friends and our family members, they they see us seeking God's kingdom first, it it will help them grow stronger. Verse 6, ask God for what you need. You know, many times the stresses that we have in our life of our own making. Dave Ramsey uh, gave some statistics that, you know, many of the real nice cars and, and really nice homes that we see are paid for by those who live way above their means. While there may be a nice car in the driveway of your nice home, ask yourself if the cost of the stress associated with maintaining these and other luxuries is, is really worth it. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm asking, are they taking you away from your first love? Someone said, if you would be happy, keep your wants few and simple. Well, Mama's advice, saying Leonard Skinner Skinner was to be a, a simple man, wasn't it? There is a lot of unhappiness when there's a gap between what we have and what we desire. There's a lot of unhappiness in between that. Remember, put God first. Verse 7, to be a stronger me and thus a, a stronger we, I need to accept God's peace. And that's not as easy as it sounds. I'm going to pick on my daddy again since he's here. My father has a back exercise that he does. He does it every morning. It works. I've seen the man crawl into a chiropractor's office. But since he started doing this back exercise every morning for the last, daddy, how long? 35, 40 years? he's, He's been a lot better. But a large part, or a third of this exercise, is that you're supposed to lay down flat on the floor... Okay, lay down flat on the floor and relax, just be still. Relax the small of your back and just let it melt into the floor. Now, if you've got a hurting back, that's easier said than done. That hurts to just be still, to just be at peace. Oh, we want it so bad, don't we? We want God's peace, a peace that that passes understanding. We can't can't understand it, but we want it. If you've ever had it, you'll want it again and again and again. If 
you relax, you'll feel better. If your life is one big stress ball, the peace of God looks like a fantasy. But if we fear God and we keep His commandments, Ecclesiastes 12 verse 13, when we apply the spiritual principles of God's Word to our daily life, our life will flow smoother and we can have God's peace. If we could just think like verse 8. Look at verse 8. If we could just think like verse 8, what a difference this would make in your life. Truth, true things, true ideas, true people, noble things, just things. Let me give you all a gift. I want to give you a gift this morning. All right? Just for a moment, indulge me. I'm going to do it too. I, I, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to close your eyes for just a moment and I want you to think of something lovely. Something just pure. There is a peace in meditating like this. There's a gift in such. And you can give yourself a gift every day. You can do this every day. You can unwrap this present present every morning or every evening or even at lunchtime. And you can sit and you can think of something lovely and something true and something pure. We need to do that more with our time. Sometimes we struggle and it's good to have an example to follow. Verse 9, Paul is telling those in Philippi to imitate him. You know, and we should look around us and we should imitate godly people. It will help, help make us stronger. You know, sometimes we struggle and it's good to have an example. It's good to have a pattern that we can follow. To grow stronger as individuals, we must, verse 10, sometimes depend on others. You know, everyone needs help sometimes. There's no need to go it alone. You don't have to. You're part of a family. But sometimes we have all come to this point to one degree or another. At some point, to be strong and show our strength, we've got to be content. Don't you love seeing one who's, who's comfortable in their own skin? Who's comfortable and they're content with life? The secret to being happy, secret to being really happy is being content. Someone has said the task ahead of you is never greater than the power that's behind you. And we can be strong and, and do what needs to be done because verse 13, Christ is our strength. Resolve to be a stronger me, a stronger husband, a stronger father, a stronger wife, a stronger mother, a stronger Christian. This will make a stronger family and thus stronger families make a stronger church. Now, I want you to fill in the blank. There are more important things in life than you fill in that blank. You can have 
the right answer if you'll just put God first in your life. I did this little sermon Wednesday night. Young Matthew Cox. Matthew, just raise your hand right there, buddy. Just raise your hand. He's, there he is right there. Young Matthew Cox wrote this sermon for me a couple of weeks ago. Some of you didn't get to see it, and I, I thought it was important to show it again. He and his mother and father and sister are part of our family here at Fountainhead. And Matthew Cox, as young as he is, he understands some very important concepts about Christianity. He wrote this sermon for me a couple of weeks ago and he presented it to me and, and he understands that baptism, if you'll notice, is where you start. You know, a lot of people think that once I'm baptized, that's it. It's all I got to do. I'm done. But that's not true, is it? Baptism is where you start. That's where you really start to live. Jesus told Nicodemus that you must be born again. So we understand that. And then we see the maze. We see the intricate maze that Matthew's drawn. And, and that's, to, to him, that's life. Life is a maze full of twists and turns. And, and life is hard. But notice who he's got there, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus can help you get through the maze of life. And if you're faithful unto death, if you can get through that maze, you get to be with God forever. If this young man can understand that concept, you who want to be stronger as an individual, you who want stronger families, you who want a stronger church, you can understand that concept too. If you're having trouble in the maze of life, or if you want to begin life, come right now. As together we stand and sing.